Blog Talk Radio. What we need is some sort of revolution. Pain and greed, there's gotta be retribution. Do we all Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stain Sports Podcast. This is episode 11. Led in, as always, by Cody Canada and the Departed Revolution. I'm Sean Kernahan, joined with by Torsten Sporn. What's going on, Torsten? I'll tell you what, if baseball doesn't really get going soon, I think I might suffer from withdrawal symptoms. Oh, I got a good fill of baseball just the other day. I was... Uh, credentialed uh, to go ahead and hang out at Rangers and Royals camp. Uh, I got to spend time both those clubhouses, watch a little USA versus um, a USA versus international scrimmage between the Royals and the Rangers. Uh, the, sorry, between the Royals. They did this squad there. Uh, so real baseball has begun. Just a few people can see it. It's going to start on TV here in the next day or two. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, I'll be at the ballparks here in just another week or so. Um, but right now, we're talking fantasy baseball as fantasy baseball is revving up along with the regular baseball season. And we are talking about two positions that are, well, let's just say underwhelming the middle infield, second base, and shortstop. You know, some of these, a lot of these guys are uh, eligible at both positions. Let's go ahead and start off at, at second base. Um, who who's really overrated to you? Is where we usually start. Who is overrated at the position to, for you? Um, well, in short, pretty much everybody. I mean, if you look at some of the big producers from the last decade or so, Troy Tulowitzki, Hanley Ramirez, Jose Reyes, Ian Kinsler even, uh, if you want to go that far. These guys are uh, fantastic producers when healthy. But I don't know whether it's age that's catching up to them or, you know, whatever wear and tear the grind. Um, Generally speaking, guys that end up uh, drafting, you know, if you're going to get Tulowitzki or Hanley Ramirez, uh, who's still going to keep his shortstop eligibility in most leagues, even though he'll be playing the outfield for the Red Sox, you got to take a high draft choice. So when they end up missing half the season with a variety of ailments, um, they're really taking a hit. So uh, pretty much for me, all of the big names, uh, the really big names anyway, Troy Kulowitzki, Hanley Ramirez, and Jose Reyes are going to be the guys that are uh, super overrated. Um, if if that's uh, stating the obvious, um, I would probably caution against staying away from a guy named a uh, guy like Danny Santana. Um, Obviously, he looked really good for Minnesota last year. Uh, he hit the ball well, stole a bunch of bases. Um, but I think his batting average was uh, inflated a little bit by uh, good luck. I think I read somewhere that his batting average on balls in play was well over 400, and that's not sustainable. But based on uh, his production down the stretch, there's probably going to be some people that take him pretty high. And uh, he'll he'll provide some value in the stolen base department, but not worthy of his draft position. What about you? Yeah, Danny Santana's BABIP last year was 405. Um, you know, he hit 319. So you really figure if he comes down somewhere around the 330 range, he'll probably hit eh, 275-ish. And a lot of Danny Santana's um, his value comes in the fact that he, he does steal you some bags. He stole 20 bags. Um, 
you know, he had 27 doubles. He was only caught stealing four times. You figure you got to cut that into about a quarter just based on the bat. If you only look at a 15 steal guy, um, so his value really isn't there. He, he's instead of a, a 10 homer, 20 steal guy, he all of a sudden becomes a you know 79, 10 homer, 15 steal guy, and his, his just value is not there. Uh, at shortstop, a guy overrated. To me, probably somebody that, you know, let you, you're right. The top of the list, the Jose Reyes, is the Chorty Lewis, the Henry Ramirez, they tend to get overrated. Um, and this is a guy that, you know, it depends on how you look at it. Sometimes it, where he's listed and, and whatnot. But I've seen Jimmy Rollins listed pretty high on some lists. And I just think, and you're a Dodgers fan who was not as thrilled with bringing him in, but I think Jimmy Rollins is due for a massive fall off a cliff. And, you know, I've seen him as high as, as you know, a top five-ish. I've seen him as low as a, a top 15 guy. Who knows where he's really going to be, but the consensus is a top 10 uh, drafted shortstop. And I wouldn't be comfortable with him as my, my number one guy and my only shortstop. So, you know, when you're looking at that, uh, I'd much rather go with some people behind him, you know, pick up a couple of guys with upside or, you know, just wait late on those. A guy like Jimmy Rollins, I, I think, is due to absolutely fall apart this year. And he might be one of those guys who's out for a long period of time with injury simply because he is uh, one of the elder statesmen at the position. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, obviously age is a factor with Jimmy Rollins, but I actually have him as one of my guys as an honorable mention for uh, good value. I think a lot of people shy away from dudes when they get into their mid to late 30s, and Rollins is 36 right now. Um, But over the last, you know, well, his entire career, he's proven to be far more durable than Tulowitzki and Ramirez. And even at his advanced age, I think you can still pencil him in for double-digit home runs and probably 25 stolen bases. If you can stomach the 240-ish batting average, then remember, this is fantasy baseball. This is baseball in a vacuum. So he may, you know, defensively he's brilliant. You don't get any points for that in fantasy. And, and I don't know if you want him as your starting shortstop moving forward in real life. But in fantasy, he can still provide you some useful numbers, I think. Yeah, and again, one thing that's hard about doing these podcasts where we're talking about overrated, underrated, is every league, every every draft, every site is different. You know, I, I look at ESPN points. They've got them up at, at fourth. And their roto, they've got them all the way down at eight. Uh, I looked over at Baseball America real quick. They got him listed at 16th. It's really all relative. To me, he's just a guy that, uh, kind of like I talked about in the Catcher podcast when I said, you know, Yadi Molina, I just, I'm afraid that the end is near as far as the offensive production. I'm afraid that end is near for Jimmy Rollins. Now, is there anybody no, out a, there who you a feel... Fan, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> and see, here, you, this is usually when your uh, your pessimistic fandom comes in and says, oh, he's a Dodger now, so he's going to be terrible. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... You know, some, I'll admit it. Sometimes my pessimistic fandom does get the better of me. Um, I don't have super high hopes for Rollins this year, but from a fantasy perspective, again, in the vacuum, that has absolutely nothing to do with real life. 
I still think you can be a useful fantasy guy uh, being drafted well behind statistical leaders at shortstop. Other guys that I actually get stuck into, um, I get caught up. One issue I have while watching, while playing fantasy baseball, especially with the fact that I focus more on a little bit of the evaluation in my other writing gig over at Baseball Essential, is uh, I lose sight of fantasy versus reality. And guys like Elvis Andrews and Angelson Simmons, I love as baseball players. They aren't great in the fantasy world. So somebody like me tends to overrate them. Um, and if, you know, you're somebody who's looking at, you know, who's one of the best shortstops in the league and you go look at Anderson Simmons um, and, you know, it's hard to say that he's not one of the five best shortstops in the league based on purely what he can do with his glove, he's not as good uh, in the fantasy world because he's not as much of a bat. He's a he's just not an offensive producer. He, he's good enough, uh, but he, he's a great player because of what he does defensively. And I tend to overrate um, a guy like uh, Angelton Simmons. Anybody like that for you, other than obviously Angel Simmons, who is just phenomenal out there defensively? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a, if, if I get sucked into overrating uh, defensive guys, but uh, I tend to be a little slow coming around sometimes on guys that were considered top prospects. Like I finally just last year, I'm in a couple of dynasty leagues, and I finally cut bait on a Danny Echeverria. Um, I don't know uh, – I always thought that he was going to end up having a little bit more thump in his bat, and uh, he just didn't turn out to be the guy that I don't. I don't think the Marlins expected him uh, to be this uh, to not have an impact. Really, I mean, he's uh, he's not even league average offensively, but for whatever reason, uh, I you know I, I hung onto the prospect hype a little too long. So I don't know if I overrate defense, but I definitely have a tendency sometimes to overrate prospects. I'm curious, though, um, and, again, the pickings are very slim, but there's got to be somebody who's got more value than where they're getting drafted at the shortstop position for you. I've already kind of hinted that Jimmy Rollins is one of my guys that uh, fantasy-wise has more value than where he's getting drafted. Is there anybody like that for you? To me, uh, I'm going to go on to your, uh, the Denny Hechevaria uh, issue of the guy with the prospect hype. Only I don't think that the hype is, is fake. Um, I think that what you saw at the end of 2013 is more real than, than some of the struggles we had in 2014. And maybe this is me being a little bit of a homer, but I think this year Xander Bogarts is going to bust out and become one of the top shortstops in baseball all around with the bat. He, he, you know, he could have a 20 home run type of year. He could hit a 275. He can fill you 10 to 15 bags. Um, he can find himself towards the middle of a – lineup that's going to be pretty darn good, and even if he's not right in the middle, he's going to be behind guys like Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez and Dustin Pedroia and David Ortiz. There's going to be guys on base, even after they finish cleaning it up, he's going to get the RBIs, or if he ends up finding himself up high in the uh, order, he's going to end up getting driven in. I think this year is, is his year. I think that he, he breaks out. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year, and uh, I, I would go all in on Xander Bogarts. Uh, it could come back and bite you, but I really think that he's going to have a fantastic year this year. Well, for uh, for Red Sox fans out there, uh, for their sake, I hope that you're right. He certainly has the talent. Um, like you, I don't think his struggles were indicative of his true uh, ability. Um, I think that kind of labeling him the next Hanley Ramirez or whatever uh, – 
tag they stuck on him might have been setting the bar a little bit high, but there's absolutely no reason that he can't be a very solid all-around offensive producer if he puts it together. For me, a guy that is criminally underrated consistently at the shortstop position in fantasy is Johnny Peralta. Um, There aren't a whole lot of shortstops out there that have the potential to get you 20 to 25 home runs, um, especially in the 20th round of your fantasy baseball draft. Um, I, when it comes to the shortstop position, it's one of those that I tend to not reach for guys. If I think that I'm going to get really good value at one of the quote-unquote overrated guys, the top guys later, if they slip, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I might take a chance on them. But I'm perfectly happy to wait until the end of the draft. And uh, while I'm picking my flyers and my prospects and my reaches, uh, if Johnny Peralta is available in the 20th round, I think that's excellent value especially if your team is a little bit light in the power department on where you've, uh, where you've drafted so far. Um, I just, I, to me, I can't fathom how a guy at the shortstop position who's capable of 20 to 25 home runs falls that far. Yeah, and he's, I think he's underrated uh, on all sides. I think he's a better defender and he gets credit for, but he is always consistent uh, with the bat. One guy that, um, I think it's sitting up there that is a complete wild card. He's not overrated. He's not underrated because he's a complete unknown. And I got to see the first uh, video of him here in the States today uh, from some of the guys I know over at PiratesProspects.com. And that's Jung Ho Gong, the, the Korean shortstop they signed, the 28-year-old who hit uh, 40 home runs in the Korean League last year after a couple of 20-home uh, run seasons. Uh, he... Um, the video I saw was just a simple ground out. Uh, I saw the swing. He's got a massive leg kick. He's gonna get. He's gonna look ugly in the beginning of the year. I have a feeling. Uh, getting the timing down with the big league pitchers. I think Kong is gonna be a person who some people might draft early on just because of the the unknown and and kind of maybe like get a steal in a guy uh, that could end up being dropped in a lot of leagues, but. Uh, about a, a third of the way through the season, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden it clicks and he turns into a great steal. So Jung Ho Kong is a guy, or Jung Ho Gong, I believe is actually the way he pronounced it, uh, is a guy to keep an eye out um, for. Now let's turn over to second base. Uh, who do you find overrated uh, on the other side of the double play combination? Um, well, for me, it's uh, Ian Kinsler. Um, obviously, again, second base is not exactly a premium offensive position, um, but he he does have a he does have an attractive combination of power and speed. But durability has never been his strong suit, and you know I would take a consistent performer from day one to or game one to game one hundred and sixty two over a guy like Kinsler who can provide you excellent offensive production, but only for about maybe a hundred games. Yeah. He's if history is any indicator whatsoever, then uh, odds are, especially as he's getting older, he's going to spend time on the disabled list again. And, you know, unless, uh, unless you want to talk about guys that are maybe once, you know, one out of a thousand, when you start getting into your mid thirties, you just don't start getting better, you know, and Kinsler isn't quite there yet, but, you know, it's uh, he's reaching that point in his career where uh, everything's going to catch up to him. Time, age, 
the bat's going to slow down. The legs aren't going to hold up as well. So the steals are going to, you know, are going to not necessarily stop, but diminish. And from where, for where he's getting drafted, you know, I just, I can't justify, I can't justify taking a pick that high on a guy like Kinsler, you know, that could, that could come back to bite me. He could put it all together and stay healthy and, you know, be 2020 kind of like a Brian Dozier, you know, did last year for Minnesota with a slightly better batting average. And if you get that, then, you know, you hit a home run. But odds are most likely you're going to get a batting average in about the 260 range, and he's going to spend 40 to 50 games on the DL. Yeah, Kinsler was a guy I looked at. Um, and if for no other reason than where you're going to have to draft a guy like Kinsler, uh, it's just going to end up being too high. If you have to draft him in the first uh, few rounds when there's so many other great good bats available, uh, you'd be drafting games that are purely on position scarcity alone. And I think there are some, actually some quality late later picks. I think second base is a weak position, but I think that back here that kind of, you know, Seven to to kind of fifteen range. There's some there's some decent guys there that aren't so far off of a guy like Kinsler that they're you know it's not worth. That I believe Kinsler's value is is inflated uh, here in the early rounds, and I do think that there's at some point again you start to look at the age, and at some point it's going to catch up to these guys. I've got somebody who's kind of a uh, mid thirties guy somebody who's nothing but consistent and can very well bite me for, for calling him overrated. And it's a guy who is typically an underrated player because of his position flexibility, the fact that he is a switch hitter. And he's in a, at a team who will value switch hitter because they love to do the platoons uh, in Oakland. But I just have a bad feeling about Ben Zobris this year. Oh, Oakland is not that much of a bigger ballpark than, than the Trop. There's not a huge position, uh, I'm sorry, uh, ballpark factor adjustment that needs to be had there. I'm actually a little bit worried about just that the team and, and what, who they have and what's available to them. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if a guy like Eric Sogard does take over some more playing time. They've got Marcus Simeon and uh, Brett Laurie in there too at short and and third base, and I think both of them are actually better at second base than they are on the left side of that infield. And if some moves are made and they bring in somebody else, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them bought, uh, knocked Zobris out. Um, I, I just think that there's too many possibilities for Ben Zobris to to be to lose playing time this year, whether it be via injury or the funky A's lineup construction. Uh, I think that him as a top, you know, five, six, seven type second baseman where you need to draft him, I think is just too high because there's so many possibilities of him losing playing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, at, at some point in time, and the ballpark is not going to do him any favors in Oakland, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily hide from Zobrist if he was available, if he slips a little bit, because of the position versatility. You know, you can play him at shortstop, you can play him at second, you can slot him into the outfield. And basically, having a guy like Zobrist on your fantasy team, never mind reality, but on your fantasy team, it allows you a lot of flexibility in the way that you construct your roster. 
you know, you, you can go short at uh, at one position to get that extra starting pitcher or whatever. Because you can slot that guy in on pretty, you know, in so many different positions when there's an off day. You know, if you uh, if you end up with one of the big shortstops like Tulowitzki or Ramirez and they get hurt, or they, uh, you know, they take a break for a day, you can slot them in there. You can slot them in in the outfield. Um, it's just, you know, there's numbers wise. I think you're right. I think he's gonna. You're gonna see a noticeable dip in production. But as far as the flexibility goes, you're still gonna get a solid player that you can basically have in your lineup every single day. Will he justify his draft position? I think you're right. He probably won't. But I think overall he'll still be a useful guy to have on your roster. Now, on the flip side of the coin, is there anybody at the second base position who you see providing value far above where they're being drafted? There's um, a couple of guys that I really like. Uh, One guy who is to me on the verge of a complete breakout is Colton Wong. I love his swing. Um, a couple of years ago, I liked his inability to, to like get back to first base in the World Series, but we'll leave that alone. Uh, you know, I, I think that he's got that chance to be some real pop. I think he could be, you know, a two-hole hitter who hits 20 home runs playing a second base. Um, that could be incredibly valuable for both. Uh, MLB's team and the St. Louis Cardinals, but also a fantasy team. I think that he's got some real uh, potential there. Uh, another guy that is going to, who could go undrafted in a lot of leagues, but I think uh, is overlooked a lot. And it's the guy I got to see the other day in Rugned Odor. Um, Jerson Profar is out for the year with uh, shoulder surgery. He's gone. Rugnet Odor, it's his position. Uh, he played last year as a 19-year-old in the big leagues. You know, he's going to start the year at 20 this year. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the first day facing life pitching. Who wouldn't? He was facing a halfway decent lefty in that while when I saw him. But, you know, he hit 259. He he only hit nine home runs, but he got a little bit of a pop there. You know, and you know, yeah, he had almost 400 uh, plate at bats last year. But I think he's got a chance to to turn himself into a, a pretty decent young ball player. I think the Rangers are in good shape with Odor moving forward, and I think that he could be a sneaky position guy in your middle infield slot, not necessarily your second baseman, but somebody that is worth drafting and uh, keeping an eye on because I think he can end up being a pretty good value to a fantasy team this year. I think you're right uh, about most things on Rugnet Odor. Um, I don't think he's going to go undrafted, though, um, especially if you're in a league with players like me who, you know, are, who I guess probably overvalue fantasy prospects. And like you said, he played in the big leagues as a 19-year-old, so really, you know, you could say the sky's the limit. He held his own. There was nothing spectacular last year, but, you know, the the nine home runs and 400 at-bats, as his body fills out, he gets stronger and a little bit more mature, gets a little bit better plate discipline. Um, I think that you're going to get, you know, the potential for a lot of production from Odor. Um, a guy for me who's going to provide – well, I, got, I have two guys that are going to provide great value at second base, in my opinion. One is the guy whose 2014 season was a complete catastrophe, and he probably murdered a bunch of fantasy teams with it. But that's the anomaly and not the norm for Jason Kipnis in Cleveland. I mean, the power is real. The speed is real. 
Um, if he can cut down on the strikeouts and get on base a little bit more, um, he's going to provide exceptional value for where he's going. Um, I'm not one of the guys that gives up very easily on players, as evidenced by the Adani Echeverria situation. But uh, a lot of people are. A lot of people see, you know, a, a bad month or a bad half season or even a bad entire season and just completely write a guy off altogether. And uh, that's going to leave somebody else to pick up excellent value. Another guy who I think is going to provide great value at second base is a guy who's taking a lot of flack, and that's former Dodger D. Gordon. As a guy who watched pretty much every Dodger game last year, I know that Gordon comes with his warts. You know, he doesn't take walks. He has terrible strike zone discipline. But that speed, I mean, depending on what kind of league, if you're in a, you know, if you're in, I don't know about a points league, but if you're in a categorical or rotisserie league, he can win you a category all by himself with the stolen bases. And, uh, you know, there's guys, uh, I think it's Tristan Cockcroft on ESPN. He actually had him, uh, he had a top 200 ranking system that he had developed, and Gordon was somewhere there in the middle. And he went on to say that, you know, Gordon is not a good player and he doesn't understand what the hype is, but he still had him ranked above a guy like Neil Walker in Pittsburgh, who say what you want about him, but he's a very uh, sneaky source of power from the second base position. Um, I don't think that Neil Walker is going to be a value because he's not a secret anymore. But uh, for me, the two guys are Kipnis and Gordon who are going to provide value at second base. Yeah, I I think Gordon's... uh on-base percentage is going to drop considerably, especially in that big ballpark. However, when the ball does get down in, in that massive park in Miami, there's going to be a lot more of those uh, doubles and triples. Uh, heck, maybe even add a few home runs of the inside-the-park variety. Uh, but I do think that I, Gordon's a guy I'm staying away from this year. Kipnis, uh, I, I've long been a fan of. I hope that he does do well. Uh, I, I think he's slotted in pretty well, uh, just based on coming off of a poor year, but I do think that he's got some really, you know, obviously his upside is, is as high as just about anybody, um, and, and I do agree with you as him being potentially somebody underrated. I like him kind of where he's at, but I can definitely see if you're looking at that upside part, uh, part that uh, him being a guy considered underrated. Uh, I know you wanted to mention maybe trying to get into some a couple other topics, We'll go ahead and do another midweek uh, episode where we're talking NHL trade deadline and uh, NFL um, franchise tags. But while we're, still, while we're still talking middle infield, there's a guy and really just a team that uh, kind of jumps up to me. And if you look at the way the team is constructed, there's really three guys for one for one spot, and that's with the Cubs. Who, Tommy Listella was a sneaky addition by them. He will likely be the, the truly odd man out. But who do you think ends up getting and keeping and being most successful in the second base job, Javier Baez or as Merendi Alcantara? Or do you feel Alcantara moves to the outfield and moves Coughlin uh, out of the lineup? No, I think Coughlin stays. Um, I, he's He played spectacularly well for Chicago. And, you know, he was rookie of the year for – the Marlins a few years back, and it wasn't the fluke. It was injuries that caused him to have a couple seasons back-to-back where he really struggled. And we saw what he was capable of when he's healthy. The guy, you know, he's not a, a burner, per se, in the D. Gordon mold, but he's a guy that's a true leadoff hitter. He's patient, he works the count, and he's a pretty good hitter. Um, what I think happens is that Javier Baez wins the job at second base, and, you know, 
they they may end up using a guy like Arismendi Alcantara as trade bait to fill in another hole. You know, there's uh, you know the Cubs are a very popular sleeper pick this year. I think they're still a couple of pieces away, but they definitely have a wealth of riches at, you know in the prospect category. And uh, you know, but Baez's upside is too high. The power is real. Um, you're not going to be able to keep him out of the lineup, and I think that it's going to be Arismendi Alcantara who ends up. Probably, you know, I don't know about odd man out, but I think that he could be moved, you know, maybe for another starting pitcher. That's what I think about the Cubby situation at second. Yeah, and like I, th- I mentioned, uh, uh, something that I think went under the radar and I think speaks a lot to this position is the acquisition of Tommy LaStella, who was a, a, a kind of a sneaky guy, a popular rookie last year with the Braves. Him coming in to the middle infield did did not need more bodies. Uh, does say, and the fact that they brought in a Dexter Fowler does say something about what they feel about Alcantara. I, I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised to see Alcantara move and for a starting pitcher. I think the Cubs are still a year away. I think they need a couple more arms, and Alcantara is the type of guy you can go ahead and make them real contenders if, uh, based on what he can bring back. Any last words on the middle infield position? Um, well, uh, one guy that I would like to see, and you know, I'm, a, I'm not a big fan of rushing guys, but uh, I would love to see what Corey Seager can do um, as a Dodger fan, obviously. And uh, I would love to also see Carlos Correa get a shot in Houston. I mean, as the number one overall draft pick, I don't think there was any real reason for them to bring in Jed Lowry on a three-year contract. That basically just puts a big roadblock in the way of Carlos Correa. But uh, those two guys, I think, are the, the top two prospects in baseball at the shortstop position. I don't, you know, I, I don't, I rank them above Addison Russell. I hope that one or both of them gets a shot in 2015. I'm really curious to see what they can do on the big stage. I don't disagree, but I do disagree with Corey Seager being a shortstop. He is a third baseman all the way. That is where he belongs. With that, thank you for listening and have a wonderful night. Thanks, everybody.